So now we continue the parasha of Shlach, and we continue to read about the story of the spies who have, we discussed yesterday, were sent by Moshe to scout out the land. They went for 40 days, and they finally returned back to the Jewish people. So today we're going to read through and discuss exactly the dialogue, what happened when they come back, what the spies said, what the Jews said, etc., etc. So they come back, and they actually find Moshe and Yeshua and all that are in the yeshiva. And they're studying. They're studying in the yeshiva. The laws of, uh, uh, that, that will apply, I think it was Erla, laws that would apply in the land of Israel. So they say to them, it's, you, know, you guys are learning about the laws of fruit and how you give the different tithes in Israel, but it's not going to apply to us because you should know that this land, although indeed the land that you sent us to is a land flowing with milk and honey, because you've got to always start with the praises. If you just start right away bashing the land, you know, they won't listen. So they start off with the praises. Indeed, it is a land. Zvas cholav udvash, a land flowing of milk and honey. Here are the big, beautiful fruit that we took from the land. Beautiful fruit. However, you should know that just like the fruit are very large, so too, the people are very, very large. The people are so big there. We saw the, uh, the, the giants there, Achiman, Sheshai, Talmai, with no way we're going to be able to conquer the land. Not only that, in the south of the land is the Amalekim, the, Am- the Amalekites, if I pronounced that right. Of course, they start right with the Amalek, because the Jews had a trauma. There was PTSD from Amalek. Amalek was the first people to attack the Jews when they left Egypt, right? When they were a young, defenseless nation. So by throwing in the fact that Amalek lives in the south of Israel, well, PTSD, they remember that war, even though they won, Hashem saved them miraculously. They still got more afraid. And you have the Chitim and the Yevusim and the Emerim, etc. And the Canaanim. Each side has different nations, each on the different coast. And to conquer this land would be a very, very difficult war. They're surrounded by hostile nations. And they also idol worshippers. They have idols that will protect them. We're not going to be able to conquer the land. Now, when Yeshua and Kalev hear this, they got very, very upset. So first Yeshua tried arguing with the, with the uh, spies. But they would have listened. The Jews didn't want to hear it. Then the Torah says, Vayahas Kalev Esha'am. El Moshe. Kalev silenced the nation to Moshe. What does it mean he silenced the nation to Moshe? So how did he silence them? Kalev had been playing like uh, very coy about what his true inner intentions were. So Kalev says, Is that all that Ben Amram did to us? He refers to Moshe as Ben Amram, the son of, Mo- the son of Amram, like in a very derogatory kind of way. So they think, Oh, there's some juicy stuff coming. Kala's getting ready to join you know, to pile on the bandwagon and tell us how bad Moshe is. So they all got quiet. They hear what you say about Ben Amram. He says, Ben Amram, because they were saying, why did you bring us to, to die here in the desert? So he says, that all he did for us, isn't he the one that uh, did the ten plagues and took us out of Egypt? And he's the one that split the sea for us? And he's the one that bought the mun uh, during our trek in the desert? So if he took care of us and he bought us, split the sea, and he gave us the food and all that, if he says that we can go into the land of Israel, uh, obviously, <laughs> Hashem is going to be with us. Even if Moshe would tell us to go up to the sky, we would be able to listen to Moshe, because whatever Moshe tells us to do, we're able to do it, even to go up to the sky, and uh, don't be afraid. But the other ten spies that are with him said, no, we're not going to go up. The nation is chazakumimenu. The nation is very, very strong, and they start to give adibas arz, they start to give a terrible, slanderous report about the land that they inhabited, and it starts to say all the bad stuff. They say it's a land that it consumes inhabitants. 
It's mentioned, this is one of the kindnesses that Hashem did for the people, that while they were there, there was a plague, so many people were dying, and they were distracted with the deaths and the funerals, and they didn't notice that there was 12 spies walking around the land. So there's a land that consumes its inhabitants. Everyone that we see there dies. In addition, the people are of tremendous size, tremendous uh, etc. And then comes one of the verses, the last verse of chapter 13, one of my favorite verses. It's a sad verse, but it's a, such a profound verse. They say as follows. This is the spies talking. There we saw the Nephilim. Nephilim are the men that, literally the men that fall. The fallen angels. There's a whole story about these angels. How when the people were sinning in the times before the flood, they said to God, look at man that's sinning. If we would go down, we would be righteous. And God said, yeah, let's see. And the angels came down. And they ended up becoming even bigger sinners than the people of the, than the human beings that were alive at the time. So we saw the sons of these fallen angels, descendants of Oig. We saw Shamchazai and Azael. These are the angels from before the flood, etc. Um, and so we see that they're immune to divine punishment because they survived even the, the flood. We saw these angels. But that's, uh, and then they say, we saw these angels. And we looked like grasshoppers to ourselves. Be'enei knew in our eyes we were kechagav and we were like grasshoppers. And so too we were grasshoppers in their eyes. Amazing verse over here. If you listen to what they said. We were be'enei knew kechagavim. In our eyes we were like grasshoppers. Oh, and v'chein. And also that's how we were in their eyes. Meaning the reason why we look like grasshoppers in their eyes is because first we self-perceived ourselves in our own self-image, our own insecurity, and our own self-flagellation uh, that we do to ourselves, we looked at ourselves as grasshoppers. And because we didn't have, we in our own didn't believe in ourselves, we in our own looked at ourselves like grasshoppers, that created the reality that they also saw us as grasshoppers. Meaning, if the spies would have gone with strength and confidence that they are Hashem's mis- uh, messengers, Hashem's agents, they would have felt like important people, then the, then the giants of Israel also would have seen them as important people. But because they went like grasshoppers, they felt like grasshoppers, that's how they were perceived. It's an amazing thing in psychology, and I see this over and over again. The way you perceive yourself creates your reality. You create your reality. If you think that you're successful, if you think that you're, you'll be successful. If you think that you're a failure, if you think that everyone hates you, whatever it is, you create that reality for yourself exactly how the spies did. They created their own reality. That's how the angels perceived, the, the, the giants perceived them. Because that's how they perceived themselves. Anyway, moving further. So the whole nation begins to cry. It says the Torah, Batisa kol ha'eda. The entire nation lifts up their voice in, 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 and they raise their voice in, in, in uh, weeping and shouted all that night. It says a whole nation means not only the, the riffraff, even the Sanhedrin, even the leaders of the tribes, the, 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 the elders, the leaders of the community, joined in the, the national mourning, and they all lifted their voices and crying. By Yifko, they cried uh, the whole nation that night. That night, as we already mentioned yesterday, was Tishabav, the ninth day of Av. They left on the 29th of Siva, and now they returned 40 days later to the ninth day of Av. And they begin to cry. Hashem says to the Jewish people, you're crying now for no reason. I'm going to give you a real reason to cry. We'll get to in a minute. And they, first, before, before that, before God's response, before that. And they complain against Moshe and Aaron. And they say, if only we would have died in the land of Egypt. If 
only we would have died here in the desert. Why is Hashem bringing us to this land? In order that we should be killed by the uh, sword of war, better we should go back to Egypt, let us appoint a new leader to replace Moshe, to replace Aaron, and let's go back to Egypt. Now, to say these words doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any sense. No matter how bad you think a war could be, to think that your life would be better off as slaves in Egypt, but then to be uh, fighting for independence and fighting for your own nation, your own land, we as free people have a hard time understanding such a, a mentality. To me, when I read these words, and I read people that were slaves for 80 years, and saying, we would be better if we would die as slaves in Egypt than to fight for our freedom in Israel, the brain doesn't comprehend. But this is what happens when a nation is enslaved, not only physically, but psychologically, their brain uh, became wired to think of themselves as slaves. And it goes back to exactly what I said a minute ago about viewing themselves as grasshoppers. Because they had already conditioned themselves to view themselves with an inferiority and a sense of unworthiness for God's blessings and protections and miracles, therefore, in that kind of mindset, it makes more sense to say, let's go to Egypt, than to let's fight for our freedom. Understand? So we are a group of free people. So if you're a healthy human being, a healthy self-esteem, you don't understand these words. But they did, because they were in that kind of mentality where we're slaves. And therefore, that's, what we, that's, our, that's our lot in life. That's what we deserve. Similar to the Stockholm Syndrome, I don't want to get too distracted, but this is, you know, we can talk about this for many, many hours. Anyway, so they say, let us appoint a new leader. Nitna Reish, who will be the new leader? Dustin and Aviram. The same troublemakers that never stop looking for opportunities to put down Moshe or whatever. So Dustin will replace Moshe, Aviram will replace Aaron, let's go back to Egypt. And when they hear this Moshe and Aaron fall in their places, in, 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 in recognizing Hashem is going to be very, very angry, Yeshua and Kalev tear their garments, and they say to them, they, they try one last time, and they say to the nation, the land that we went through it, Toiva Ha'aretz, Mo'id Mo'id. This land is very, very good. The word Mo'id means good, good very much. Good. Right? Tov means good, Tov Mo'od means very good. Tov ma'od ma'od means very, very good. Very, like, really. There's no land as good as it. But of course, their words fell on deaf ears, and then they say, Hashem wanted to bring us to the land. He could have brought us to the land flowing of milk and honey. Hashem is with us. There's no reason why we should be afraid of the people. Yes, they're big people. We got God on our side. <laughs> How could you compare? You know what the people did? They picked up rocks to stone, dust, to stone uh, Yeshua and Kali. At that moment, when they picked up rocks and stone, Yeshua and Kalev, that's a mob mentality, by the way. Like, anyone says anything you disagree with, it's not even like I disagree with you, I'm going to kill you, because how dare you say the land is good when I already convinced myself of a, of a reality the land is bad. That's my reality. So if you say the land is good, you deserve to be killed. So also a lot to talk about. Anyway, so they pick up stones to go and stone uh, Yeshua and Kalev. At that very moment... The clouds of glory come down to separate Yeshua and Kalei from the rest of the people. The cloud of glory is there, and Hashem's Shekhinah is there. And Hashem is very angry. Hashem says to Moshe, How long will this nation rebel against me? How long will they continue to uh, uh, provoke me? How long shall they continue to refuse to believe in me? despite all the signs that I have performed in their midst, remove yourself, I will strike them with pestilence, 
in Hebrew, pestilence is dever. They spoke dibor. They spoke evil speech against the land of Israel. Dibor is speech. They will destroy them with dever, with pestilence for their evil speech. I shall destroy them and I will make you, Moshe, I will make you into a brand new nation, a better nation, a version Judaism 2.0. A more powerful, a more great nation than them. And then we'll start again. And you'll bring the Jews into, you'll bring the new nation, the version 2.0 of the Jewish people, into uh, the land of Israel. How does Moshe respond? He turns it around so that God sees that they should feel long because it doesn't look good. Right. So Moshe immediately jumps to the defense of the Jewish people. Now, instead of saying, good idea, let me be the new Abraham, let me be the new uh, leader of the Jewish people, immediately jumps to the defense of the Jewish people. However, he realized that the Jews had truly sinned. They were, you know, they had really dug themselves a big hole, a, de- a deep hole. But, this means he's not going to try to protect them. So he starts to bring up the 13 attributes of mercy, but not all of them, only some of them. And he tries to say to Hashem to be, erech apayim, to be slow to anger. Slow to anger means, yes, they sinned, they deserve punishment, but don't punish them all in one shot and just destroy them. Do it slowly. And what's his argument? His argument, as Robert said correctly, is that how will it look? What kind of a chilol Hashem will it make? Imagine if all the nations of the world here, that you know, everyone knew that the Jews were in the desert. When they left Egypt, at this point we're only talking about one year before, a year and two months. They left Egypt and Nisan. Now we're the end of now we're in the month of Av. So we're 15, 16 months after the Jews left Egypt. The whole world knew that you destroyed the Egyptians and the ten plagues and the splitting of the sea. They all know the story. And then you bring them all into the land of Israel. And what do you do there? But the other people in Israel also knew. They were afraid. Rachel tells Yeshua when the spies come later on how the nations were melting and they were afraid. We say, no, Yashir. They, they knew that the Jews were coming to the promised land. It wasn't a secret. And then the nations will hear that you took all this nation, you took them out of Egypt, you gave them money in the desert, you gave them a well, Miriam, to do what? To kill them all out in the desert. What are they going to say? Why did you kill them in the desert? Because you couldn't win the war against all the kings of Canaan. And God says to Moshe, what do you mean? I, I, I already proved my strength. And Moshe answers, when you took the Jews out of Egypt, you fought only one king. So yes, Pharaoh was the most powerful king at the time, but he was still only one. In, the, in, in Israel, there's 31 kings. So you can't compare a war to one king and one army against 31 armies and 31 kings. And therefore the nations will say that you were unable to bring the Jews into the land of Israel to win all these wars. And that's why you destroyed them and you slaughtered them in the desert. Therefore, for the sake of your koyach, yigdal no koyach adne, which means let the strength of God be increased, become very, very great. As you have spoken to me when I came up to the mountain, when God was on the mountain, he saw God writing the 13 attributes of mercy. And he says to Hashem, you will forgive the, the righteous for their sins. And Hashem says, even the sinners I will forgive. And Moses says, even the sinners, why would you forgive them? They don't deserve forgiveness. Hashem says, you're going to see that one day you're going to need these uh, 13 attributes of mercy for sinners. So here he says, Lift up, elevate, increase the strength of your forgiveness. As you had told me when I was on the mountain, you said you would forgive the sinners. Now it's time to do what you told me you would do, and forgive the sinners. Hashem is Erech HaPagim, He is slow to anger. Virav Chesed, He's abounding in kindness. Noisei Ovein, forgiving iniquity. He's forgiving of Pesha, of transgression. Vinake, He cleanses those that have sinned. That is seven of the 13 attributes of, uh, six or seven of the 13 attributes of mercy. He, 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 he 
he, he cleanses the sins. He only brings the sins of parents and children for three or four generations, as opposed to merits of us for 2,000 generations. And therefore, please forgive this nation, as is your great uh, kindness. So Hashem says, Salachti Kidvarecha. I will forgive. We say this by on Kolnidre at night. We say this with Yemer. We say this whole thing. Slach la la avadavaz. The sound is not here today. Forgive the nation. It's from this Aliyah. Forgive the nation as you have spoken because uh, of your great kindness and carry them out. Exactly. We say this in Kolnidre. Then Yemer Hashem. Say it three times. Yemer Hashem. Salach dikidvarecha. Hashem says, "I have forgiven you, and uh, as you have spoken, you are forgiven." However. These people, kol ha'anashim, all of these men, that they saw my glory, and they saw my miracles, and they saw everything that I did in Egypt and, and in the desert, and still they tested me ten times, ten different times they lacked faith, and didn't trust me to take care of them, I swear by my life that they will never enter to see the land of Egypt. With the exception of Kalev, who was loyal, who did not allow himself to be influenced by the, by the spies, and he said the truth, and Yeshua, they will be the only two men that will be allowed to enter into the land of Israel. Now, there's a few exceptions here. The women were allowed to enter. As mentioned already yesterday, here's again, says all the men, women were not included in this decree um, because the women didn't lose faith. The trust, the amunah, the betachan, the trust of a woman is much naturally is stronger than that of a man. So that was, first of all, the woman didn't lose faith. Secondly, as mentioned, uh, two weeks ago, the women were a part of the census. So who dies in this decree? Only people that are part of the census. So the women were part of it. Children under the age of 20, they, the next generation, they will be the ones to enter the land of Israel. So any boys and girls, obviously, under the age of 20, they'll grow up, they will enter the land of Israel. Men over 60, the discussion they were able to enter, they just died out naturally over the next 40 years. And also the tribe of Levi. Tribe of Levi did not participate in the sin of the, of the spies. They also were allowed to enter into the land of Israel. Okay, tomorrow we'll talk about the, what happens afterwards, the very next morning, how the Jews respond to this decree of Hashem.